Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. of this Thursday, August 17th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. We're with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question here. Regards to the Jacksonville Jaguars, is it going to be a season with them over or under nine and a half wins? Right now, the masses continue to be on the underside of things at 59% of the vote, over 41%. Yeah, I think there are masses here. We even know 55%, I don't know how much of a mass that is, (laughs) but... It's uh, at least the, uh, the the majority at this point uh, seem to be going against America. <laughs> so we'll see. Yes. Uh, so we'll answer that question officially around 1130. Still time for you to get involved. KDOS, 10, uh, KDOS AM 1060 on Twitter. We had a conversation with Scott Petrak from brownzone.com talking all things Cleveland Browns. The number over or under eight and a half wins. Under leads the way at 66.7% over trailing at 33.3%. Yeah, and to me, uh, not to give away my answer here, but I'm going to give away my answer. This is the most difficult team for me to assess because of the personnel and because of the schedule that we got into in the last hour. And I think that's been just the uncertainty of Deshaun Watson, too. And throw all those things together, and I think that's led us to the point where of the teams we've previewed so far – and the NFL, and after this week, we're we've done every division but two, so we've been. You know, you know, I'm not going to do the math off the top of my head because that would be a mistake by me. Uh, but you know, lots of teams, uh, the you know, the majority of the teams in the league at this point, uh, of the teams we've gone through in these win totals, this is the one win total that has the most differential. You know, I saw you know, consensus is eight and a half. That that's pretty much a consensus, but. There's a few, and I know there's some nines out there. There's even one nine and a half, at least yesterday afternoon, there was a nine and a half, at least at one casino in, in Nevada. So that's a big difference. So if you, depending on whether you want to go over or, the, over or under on the Browns and have a conviction there, you can shop around and get a number that should be beneficial to you. Doesn't mean you're going to win your bet, but you can, you can look around and, Kind of uh, get a number that should at least alter your, you know, actually maybe even make a decision for you. Uh, but uh, that's a that's a big difference between eight and a half and nine and a half. It's a huge difference. Uh, you know, yep. one you got to get to double digit wins. The other you do not. Um, that is correct. <laughs> yes. Just from a, from a numerical standpoint, but certainly from just a, a season standpoint, it's a huge, huge difference. Um, so certainly also if you're feeling want, you want to be on the over or the underside, being on one or the other certainly helps your cause too. 
True. So just look around and uh, you know, not sure what exactly the situation here is there in the state of Arizona, but uh, yeah, it seems like the, there's there's certainly a lot of variance if you uh, go worldwide and they have the access to shop for some of those numbers. Well, on FanDuel, it is over under nine and a half wins, and if you feel very strongly about them at least getting to ten wins, it's plus money over nine and a half wins, plus 108. So that's that update for now. We will answer the question on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 around 1130. Let's get into some more uh, in regards to the Arizona Cardinals here. They're back to work in Tempe. Head coach Jonathan Gannon wants them prepping for the week like it would be a traditional game week. However, you know, practices are not, you know, game planning. They're still installing. It's still a typical training camp type practice. It's still a typical training camp workload on the field. But in terms of how it's being structured this week, it's in preparation for what game week would be like, especially given the fact that next week they're off to Minnesota for some joint practices. Yeah, hopefully there won't be any brawls in the joint practices because there were certainly a bunch of those yesterday around the league. I believe there are you know, seven uh, groups, you know, 14 teams that are having joint practices this week around the NFL, and it seemed like there were some uh, serious issues yesterday. Cam Akers got thrown out of the Rams practice, in fact, uh, and uh, you know, that's maybe... You know, Considering Cam Akers' history uh, with you know, with uh, you know, management and the coaching staff in in Los Angeles, maybe that's something he doesn't want to do. But uh, it got really contentious there, and there were certainly some issues uh, with the Jets and the uh, Tampa Bay scrimmages yesterday, or the scrimmage yesterday, or whatever you like to call a joint practice. Uh, that you know, not not just the fact that you know, apparently. The Jets' offensive line can't block, but there were some cheap shots in that area, too. Uh, other takeaways, though, from Jonathan Gannon here. He was specifically asked about uh, uh, Christian Matthew because Christian Matthew is the other cornerback that is vying for that cornerback two spot with Keytrell Clark. He said that he thought he did really good in preseason game number one, had some really good snaps, lined up on Sutton a lot, stayed in good position, played with proper technique, made a couple of plays, thought he had a good game overall. I think the battle between Christian Matthew, Keytrell Clark is certainly going to be on my radar uh, for Saturday's game against the Chiefs. Yeah, and I haven't seen who the Chiefs are going to play. My guess is that you know they played a lot of their starters last week at the first game in New Orleans, uh, and I'm guessing that was in part because they would prefer not to deal with the playing surface here, which uh, the first game of the season last year, they lost two or three players. Yeah, yeah Butker was really never the same. You know, remember he got hurt in that kickoff last year here. And, yeah, he – I don't know if he missed any games or not, but he was not close to what he was in previous years. And I remember even Super Bowl week, he was bitching and moaning because of what happened here in the first week of the season. And that was months later. Kind of interesting, though, because, you know, Jonathan Gannon was part of the Eagles and they had the same same field conditions to have to play on in that Super Bowl. And there were some complaints about the field conditions uh, on the Eagles side of things. When it yeah, well, the Super Bowl is a whole different deal because, you know, as Greg Olson pointed out, during the game many times, almost all the field issues with the Super Bowl had to do with the NFL paint job that they put on the field. 
Uh, when it comes to more takeaways from head coach Jonathan Gannon here, uh, he likes the rotation on the defensive front. Um, he says that they, if they're up on game day, that they'll play, that even if they are a premier player, he doesn't want to wear them down. Uh, he wants it to be a healthy mix. So that's just kind of his general philosophy when it comes to rotating players in that D front. That makes sense for a couple of reasons. One is probably a good idea. If you have enough guys that you feel confident in that aren't going to you know, damage your chances of doing something, that's great. Also, I think in the Cardinals' case, they don't have a dominant defensive lineman, so you know, do you want that guy out. If you had that guy, you'd want him out there more plays. I'm also curious to see how you can actually, you know, as he mentioned yesterday how you can have like a game week simulation for a regular season game when you still have 90 players on your roster cam thomas didn't practice quote little residual effects from the game and they'll be smart with him uh so that's just kind of something to pay attention to injury wise and then the questions about isaiah simmons and gannon says that he's real comfortable uh for isaiah simmons being in the right spot making the right decision hitting his landmarks where his eyes are at his uh position at safety okay we'll see i think that's the one thing to uh, not necessarily this week or quite frankly not into actually i'd like to watch these practices next week that are in minnesota uh, because it, I don't think there's any question that you learn a whole lot more on uh, you know, the joint practices than you do in any preseason game. So those will be uh, the, those are at least my takeaways from Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday. I had mentioned this uh, in yesterday's show, and we didn't have time to get into it, so I thought we could get into it today. The Athletic had put together top 25, 25 or under list. The stipulations here are that you must be 25 or younger before week one's games, and rookies are not eligible. Uh, So I thought we could go through this list here, and um, I don't necessarily agree with the order here. We'll see how you feel about it. Uh, We'll start at number 10 uh we'll just do one through 10 but we'll start at 10 and work our way up to number one here 10 on this list is tristan Wirfs. he's 24 with the tampa bay buccaneers he yielded just one sack in his rookie year now it's going to be interesting because he's switching to left tackle yeah absolutely he's had some injury issues also uh, the last year or so but uh when healthy and playing right tackle you know, he certainly seemed to be a stud now, this one here, I think, is way too low on the list. We'll see what you think. Uh, Sauce Gardner, 22 with the Jets, two interceptions, 20 passes defended, 51 solo tackles in his rookie season. I don't know why he is not closer to number one. Yeah, well, I would think the reason he's not closer to number one, I don't necessarily agree with the, the, the ranking. I'm probably more on your side. But, you know, they have a tremendous front seven and rush the passer. Uh, so I don't know, you know, maybe the judging here is based on he doesn't have to, you know, stay on guys as long in the secondary and receivers because they have such a good pass rush. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon uh, did a great job yesterday in the press conference really talking about how everything works in unison. Uh, for for the secondary to be successful, you have a great pass rush. The, the, the pass mm-hmm. rush to be successful, you have a great you know secondary. So the combination of the two, and yeah. I think that just proves your point there with the Jets and how they've constructed this defense so far. 
Yeah, definitely. And I would say the same thing with you know, you know offensive linemen and running backs and quarterbacks. And hopefully we don't have an epidemic of offensive line injuries like we did around the league last year because I think a lot of teams were altered significantly. Uh, the Colts come to mind right off the bat. Uh, and the Titans, those are the first two teams I think of. And, you know, not just because we're covering that division this week, but, you know, those two teams had offensive lines who were considered to be amongst the best in the NFL. And then last year they were both ravaged with injuries and neither were very good. Number eight on this list is Jalen Hurts, 24, with the Eagles' Super Bowl appearance last year. Obviously, 66.5% completion percentage, 3,701 yards, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. Also added 165 carries for 760 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns for him. And we talked about this when we previewed the Eagles, that he uh, is someone who has gotten better every single year he has been in different organizations, and that's proving to be the same case here with the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, obviously the organization thing, you can count, you know, obviously college there too, from Alabama to OU to the NFL, and certainly got better in uh, his years so far in the NFL. So I don't know who's ahead of him, but uh, I'm guessing there's going to be a couple of names here that I think he should be ahead of who you say next. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven on this list is Quinnen Williams, 25 with the Jets, 12 sacks and 55 tackles last year. And he's part of an incredible Jets defense uh, and kind of some of what we were talking about with the front, helping the secondary, et cetera. But he's he's a monster. Well, I definitely think he should be ahead of Gardner. And this is nothing against Gardner. Uh, but you can make a case that Williams is uh, certainly a young part of his career, uh, is in you know a dominating left, you know dominating defensive tackle, down lineman, and you can maybe make a case that he's one of no no worse than the top three uh, defensive linemen. And once again, nothing against Gardner here, but you know, I'm more impressed with a defensive lineman who dominates than a corner. Number six on the list is Justin Herbert, 25, with the Chargers. Uh, team rewarded him with a five-year, $218.7 million guaranteed contract. 68.2% completion percentage last year, 4,739 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions for him last season. Well, there are no excuses for him now. I mean, the offensive line, at least right now, healthy. Another team that did have some offensive line issues last year, kind of going back to what we just talked about a moment ago, They've also added to the receiver room. Those guys you think are going to be healthy, even though a couple of their receivers are never seemingly healthy for a long period of time. So we'll see what's up with that. But, you know, you know I'm a, I was a big Herbert fan coming out of Oregon. And, uh, you know, I've you know, you know, tempered my enthusiasm in his first two years in the league because he has absolutely sucked at the end of the season two years ago when they lost three out of four and they missed the playoffs, and he was a huge reason they just missed the playoffs because he was terrible. And then that uh, meltdown last year against Jacksonville when they blew the game in the second half, he was a monster part of that. He was terrible in the second half of that game. So when it's mattered the most for two years now, he has not performed even at an average level. We have to. We have to do this. We have to take a break. And on the other side of the break, we will go 
five through one on this particular list and get the the rest and the remaining uh, top 25, 25 or under in the NFL. We'll also get into more around the NFL news and notes from the league. We'll take your phone calls 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Download that KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the listener rewards as there's a potential $100 gift certificate available to you. That's all happening here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. That list, top 25, 25 and under next. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-four here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Thursday, August 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, continuing our uh the list from the athletic, the top 25, 25 or under list. We're only doing one through ten, and we started with number 10. So a brief recap here: 10 Tristan Wirfs, 9 Sauce Gardner. 8, Jalen Hurts, 7, Quinn and Williams, and 6, Justin Herbert. That's where we left off. So let's get back into it here. At number 5, it's Jamar Chase, 23 with the Bengals. 12 games last year. There were some injuries. 87 catches, 1,046 yards. And we talked about it a lot, though, last year, uh, really dissecting the numbers. When they put him in the slot, he became even more effective than he can be. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to judge wide receivers, though, uh, because they need so many other things to go right for them, not just the quarterback, but the offensive line. So I would, you know, I'd have a tough time putting a wide receiver. You know, this I know, I know one guy who's going to be even higher than this. I'm, I'm guessing is a wide receiver we haven't mentioned yet, at least one guy. But, you know, it's a, the Herbert thing, I mean, not Herbert thing. Uh, the chase thing with Burrow uh, in the you know they their offensive line was a lot better last year in pass protection. They actually weren't as good at run blocking, but they were better in pass protection. So you know, I have a tough time judging the wide receivers in the, these kind of uh, rankings. Number four on the list here is Patrick Sertan, twenty three Broncos. Mm-hmm. Six interceptions in his first two years in the league. Twenty four passes defended in his first two years in the league. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that you would have Sauce Gardner ahead of Sertan, and I would too, uh, even though I'm not real sure how to judge Sertan because, you know, they had a whole different defensive situation in Denver last year with some of those guys in the front seven getting hurt. Definitely true there. Um, I, and, I mean, I'm not saying that Sertan is is bad by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm not either. Yeah, yeah. so you're, you're really splitting hairs. Uh, so, I, you know, my outrage is very uh, minimal, I guess I should say. I think it's difficult to judge the Denver defense last year because rarely was it whole. Rarely was it whole, and also they were always playing from behind. They, that's true. They were put in awful situations by their, you know, their alleged head coach. Yeah, hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he's not he won't come after me now like he did, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers won't say anything bad about me. 
You can say other things bad about me, but what I've said about Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, you get the gist. But you know, that I don't. It was it was an uneven situation for you know him and anybody in that Denver defense last year because they were beat up and against it because the offense was so bad. Uh, number three on this list here, Nick Bosa, 25 with the 49ers, 18 and a half sacks last year, defensive player of the year. He was also defensive rookie of the year in 2019. Still no deal yet with the 49ers, but yeah. you have to think here that whatever is brewing is going to be astronomical for him. That's true. I don't think anybody in San Francisco is really panicking. I don't think they even care that he's not around at this point. Uh, so just, you know, there's not going to be any question. He's not going to show up and look like he had bonbons for two months or however long he's holding out here. Uh, so he's a workout nutcase. So you know, the one thing about Bosa, he's had some injuries, uh, whether it be in college at Ohio State or, you know, some nagging things in the NFL. So, you know, whether he can make it through a season is interesting. But you know, a difference-making pass rusher, I can see why any of those guys would be high on the list. Number two on the list, Micah Parsons, 24 with the Cowboys, 13 and a half sacks last year, 13 in 2021. He's very dominant. And uh, Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News, he joined us last week, pointed out here that he looks even more disruptive and explosive this year for what he's seen from him in training camp so far. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they line them up uh, because, you know, there were some, you know, things about that last year. You know, where is he best suited? Seemed like that he was pretty easily blocked in some games when he wasn't like just an edge rusher or a blitzer and so forth. Uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, how they change that this year. Same coordinator on defense, obviously. So I don't think that's going to change too much. But, you know, there were some games where you kind of wondered, where is he? Now, number one on this list, I'm sure you figured it out by now. Uh, you kind of already alluded to him. Justin Jefferson, 24 with the Vikings. He's the fastest to reach 4,000 receiving yards, uh, most dominant player at his wide receiver position. Yeah, I kind of figured that who this was going to be eventually. So there you go. Um, yeah, needless to say, he's really good. Uh, and also, we should point out at this point that Joe Burrow's uh, more than older than 25. And then when we first saw Jefferson, you know, was part of that LSU, you know, group that they had receivers, they had running backs, they had a quarterback, they had an offensive line with you know, multiple guys now in the NFL. Uh, that's one of the best college offenses ever, and that's where we actually saw Jefferson. And I'm still kicking myself for not betting Jefferson to be the offensive rookie of the year that year or whatever whatever thing you had the you had them was that was that last year or the year before you had him over the the, uh, the passing yards thing that was last but, uh, year that was the easiest thing okay. that ever cashed. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, so he's really good. Even though this year I would not be betting over because no. I think their their receiving group is better. Assuming Addison can stay healthy, and I think that's a legitimate question for the Vikings whether he can stay healthy because he's had some years uh, whether he was at Pitt or even last year at USC that he missed some time. Yeah, I think the receiving situation is different. I also think that the number itself has been definitely changed. I thought it was just mispriced last year for what I thought Jefferson was capable of doing. So I think that's also what like contributed to it being so so simple for it to to cash. Plus, he was such a go-to target for Kirk Cousins as well. 
Yeah, unfortunately, and well, Thielen's gone too, which I think is actually a good thing for you know the rest of the receivers because I thought that they just depended on Thielen too long or too long you know, for too long. He was a pretty marginal at best player. I think he was even a below average player last year. Yet he still got a whole bunch of targets and. Uh, that will change now, whether it's Addison. I like K.J. Osborne, actually, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, there's a thing. He's like their third wide receiver now. I don't know how Hawkinson fits in here. And, uh, you know, Hawkinson is supposedly upset about his contract situation, as is Jefferson, by the way. Uh, yeah, you know, the Schefter thing is watching the uh, the ESPN mock draft thing or whatever they officially called that on uh, – that would have been on Tuesday – and uh, you know, you know just Schefter just kind of spilled out there that he's un- Jefferson's unhappy with his contract. He didn't say he, he's he's there, but you know a lot of people are probably unhappy about their contract. But he mentioned that, and then it kind of caught my ear because I hadn't heard that from any anywhere else or read it anywhere. So this list, it was the Athletics Top 25, 25 or under list, and obviously we only went through 10 here, but I briefly went through all 25 and just wanted to see if there were any teams that had multiple players 25 and under and, you know, how that correlates with success, I guess. And this maybe was surprising here. The Cowboys actually had three players end up showing up on the list in the top 25. The f- uh, Pollard and Lamb, are they under 25? Uh, definitely Lamb, and I'm not sure about Pollard. Okay, so that would be the, that'd be the guys I would guess, and yeah. obviously Parsons. Yeah, so, no, Pollard's 26. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, almost. So there's, you know, three guys, four guys under 26. My guess would <laughs> so be Diggs, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true, even though... I'm not completely sold on him because he's just such a you know, risk reward guy. Definitely. That's maybe not the greatest way to play quarterback. <laughs> so, so we'll see. I was a little surprised here. The 49ers have two on this list, but I guess a lot of their players that are, that are still young are kind of in that 26 to 30 range. Okay. So who were those guys? Remember? Uh, that is a great question. You have Nick Bosa and then, okay. oh, it was actually Ufunga, of all things. Oh, that makes sense. Well, he yeah. had a tremendous year last year. Uh, he was really good at USC. So, you know, we even talked during the season last year when the Niners came up that we weren't uh, – it seemed like America was surprised that that guy was you know, that good a player immediately. I don't think, you know, if you watch the Pac-12, granted it was the Pac-12, but I don't think – I was. You know, I don't think we were that surprised because he was – a difference-making player in college. They sure could have used him on the USC defense last year. <laughs> so yes. they missed They missed him tremendously. The Jets had two, uh, which we know, Quinnen Williams and Sauce Gardner, they're in the top yeah. ten there. And then uh, the Giants had two. Garrett Wilson could be in here, right? He's got to be under 25. Oh. So they could have actually had more. They could have. I actually think that maybe he should have been in there. Maybe I just yeah, skipped I right make- over him. I could definitely make a case for that. So, yeah, he's good. And uh, once again, hard knocks. Hopefully next week we get to see more of uh, the uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, and practice uh, reps against each other. Yeah, I've read so many stories, you know, with the, the quote, iron sharpens iron and, and how their right. battles are so intense. I want to see they it. They even said that like in week one. They even said that when they were talking about those guys going against each other. That's actually a quote that somebody said that night. So, 
Yeah, that was uh, that's definitely a popular quote. Yeah, uh, you can't see me because it's radio, but when I said iron sharpens iron, I actually did the air quotes there. So. Uh, oh, very good. Yeah. You maybe you're smacking your hands together or something like that. Oh yeah, I do that too. Which I which <laughs> I'm just doing right now, like clinch fist and I'm you know, iron iron going against each other because I'm just a man built of iron. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, a couple of things happening around the NFL here. Some Lions updates. Wide receiver Jamison Williams suffered a hamstring injury. Dan Campbell said there's a good chance that he will miss the rest of the preseason. Yeah. With his suspension, he will not be available then to be on the field until after week six. This is a really big deal. If you're in a fantasy football draft, of which I'm in two, and I'm one of them is tonight, and one of them is a best ball draft, this might actually help you. As far as a best ball draft, uh, you know, I think he's going to sink some because of this news. So I actually have added him to our list for tonight because of what happened here. As far as the Lions' season, though, I don't think it's a good thing at all. That's uh, a lot of time not you know, on the field. You know, that's you know, it's going to be a, a problem anyway. Now I think it's more of a problem, and yeah, he has to. Yeah, he can't be in the facility for the time that he's officially suspended from the first week of the season until week whatever. Six, yeah. And uh, you got a you know, hamstring thing. That's a tricky rehab thing. I know that there were, you know, some talk about changing these rules a little bit, and if you need a treatment or something, you might be able to do something with on in the team facility. But that's something that I think that he really would need. I actually think that that rule should be changed. Yes, I realize that you for whatever you did you know not isolating it just to him specifically here but whatever it did whatever happened that caused you to be suspended is obviously you know your, your fault you take responsibility for what happened here but when it comes to the injury portion of it teams want so much control over you know what your treatment regimen is they want to make sure that you're they're monitoring you make sure you're doing the treatment properly you're getting in there and having the the doctors that they want etc so there's so much that kind of yeah. goes into the rehab process for you now to be taken away from the facility i i I think that that's definitely a disservice to the team and to the player that's true even though i'm guessing this is a strictly a guess and god knows i don't know anything about personal trainers but i would assume that he would get a if he doesn't already have a personal trainer he would have one coming uh considering he's going to be suspended maybe he's already done this and then you know, I don't know if this is legal or not, but you know, if it's illegal, you can get around it. You know, just have a team person, the team physician, or somebody that's in charge of those kind of things consult your personal, uh, you know, trainer what you should be doing. True. The other bit of news, wide receiver-wise, Dan Campbell with the Lions said wide receiver Amon Raw St. Brown will likely be on the field sometime next week after his ankle injury sustained yesterday. With the Colts, Jonathan Taylor steps away from Colts camp again. Quote, he is not currently with the team and his absence is excused, which is the statement from the team. Uh, Sources have told several people that it has nothing to do with this contract, that it is a personal matter that did come up. Yeah, I'm concerned that there might be something going on. The fact that they're actually in concert with anything at this point it makes me wonder if this is a you know a serious situation off the you know, a family member or something like that. We did not dive into this yesterday here with the news of Anthony Richardson being named the starting quarterback. That was a bit surprising yeah. to me. Uh, and immediately my first thought was, 
ooh, what are his season-long interception props? And maybe ooh. that's something to take <laughs> good, game to good game. I- good, I- good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think it goes back to that offensive line at Indianapolis, too, which you went from elite to garbage in like 12 months. And it wasn't all injury. I mean, they had some guys that were healthy and just didn't perform anywhere near what they had previously performed at. Uh, definitely true on that front. In addition to uh, you just kind of look at what he did last year with uh, Florida in college, his yeah. interception to touchdown ratio. Uh, in addition to it was already going to be a bit of a work in progress. I understand you want him to be the starter. That's why you drafted him where you did with the respect to develop him. Uh, so is he ready to is he ready to go? And are you, I guess you're willing to allow for those mistakes to happen in real time on the field? See, I, I agree with all that. Well, I wasn't really surprised about this because, you know, if you're going to draft him with, was he fourth in the draft or third or fourth, whenever they drafted him, you got to see if this dude can play. Why wait? Plus Gardner Minshew, who cares? I mean, I'm sorry a story and all that, but he's not any good. I mean, he's a, desperation backup quarterback in the NFL, no matter whether he's in Jacksonville, Philadelphia, or Indianapolis. Minshew mania, Bob. Minshew mania. Yeah, I never quite got into that. I thought I liked him at Washington State. I mean, Mike Leach was pitching it around 70 times a game. (laughs) So... That would have been a good fantasy thing if there, you know people do it. There's a people were in college football fantasy leagues, and I'm guessing that he was a very popular play back in those days. 602-260-1060. Caller number two, you're the winner of a four-pack of tickets to Monday, August 21st, Diamondbacks versus Texas Rangers game. It's ASU night, dbacks.com slash ASU to receive your special event ticket package. But caller number two, 602-260-1060. Four tickets to the game are yours. If you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet, download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. KDUS AM 1060 online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Congratulations to our winner of the four pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks game Monday, August 21st, as it is ASU night. For more information and to purchase tickets, you can visit dbacks.com slash ASU for your special event ticket package, receiving that game ticket and a co-branded ASU Diamondbacks t-shirt. Let's get into the poll questions here, and we'll start with the KDUS1060.com poll question. The 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars over under nine and a half wins. Okay, for the purposes of this uh, you know, question here, uh, I'm going to go under, but I'm actually at my scouts, so to speak, in Nevada and here in Arizona. If anybody finds a 10, get a hold of me, because <laughs> I would definitely be enthusiastically betting under 10 wins. Because I don't think uh, I would be shocked, and I'll use that word often unless I mean it. I would be shocked if they won 11. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. We went through the schedule uh, during the sports. Um, they got it. You know, well, part of this is because they play consecutive games in London. 
But remember, they don't they don't they have two fewer home games in their own building in their own stadium in front of their own fans than other teams. Uh, so I don't think that's a good thing. And plus, I just think there is massive question on the offensive line, defensive front, and cornerback. You know, Campbell's really good at one corner, but uh, other than that, not so good. Uh, and we'll see. And uh, you know, I'm the one Doug Peterson naysayer in America, apparently. But blow a game or two per year, and he did last year. One of the reasons they started so slowly is he made some bad bonehead decisions that cost him early season games to put in a hole. So all that thrown in, and uh, you know, nine and a half under for the purpose of the question. But if uh, if I find a ten somewhere, or somebody once finds one for me, and I have access to bet the under ten, I will definitely be betting on that if it's under ten because I don't think they're going to win eleven. Yeah, I'm with you here. I, I, I see nine as being something that's doable here, uh, even with some of the. Uh, challenges that are happening with their schedule as it is a, a first place schedule here you have uh, plenty plenty of solid teams on the, on the schedule here that they're playing I, I question marks for me involve the jump from year two to year three for Trevor Lawrence I, I really can't count year one for him in terms of what we saw and I really think that last year was kind of like a rookie year for him because it was very surprising yep. to me the accuracy issues and just really almost second guessing himself waiting too long to, to throw certain balls that are open and so you kind of started to see some something click for him halfway through last year so now it's about is that even going to take the next step after that for him in in this particular year obviously the addition of Calvin Ridley I think will certainly help on the offensive side of the ball And, and so it all kind of comes down to me Uh, You know, how's the offensive line going to do? Uh, How are they all going to come together here and manage some of the expectations that are now thrust on them as being the clear and out, you know, Vegas favorites to win the AFC South, et cetera, here? Are they going to be able to live up to all of that? Uh, I do see nine as being doable, but since the the question here is nine and a half, that's under. Okay. I I agree with that whole there. I, I totally agree with your Lawrence analysis there. You know, that first year shouldn't really count. Uh, you would hope he's going to be better in the red zone uh, this year. He had some serious issues with that last year. And also another thing is, you know, what's the the running situation? ATN had some nice moments last year. He also had some terrible moments, moments fumbling machine at times. They got that tank Bisbee, uh, Brisby out of uh, Auburn. I don't think there's any accident there that they just uh, – that tells me that they don't completely trust ETN. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. But those two guys, you know, they're two the Clemson guys. They're, they're going to act better when it matters. Uh, if they're going to come near going over a total, whether it's nine, nine and a half or ten. Uh, the masses are on the under nine and a half wins at 57% of the vote and over is sitting at 43%. That's KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob and I had a great conversation with Scott Petrak of brownzone.com. If you missed it, podcast over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app, the 2023 Cleveland Browns over under eight and a half wins. Talent-wise, this team has a has a lot. 
Nick Chubb, I'm with you, Bob. I really like Nick Chubb as a running back. His, st- his stats back it up for what he was able to accomplish last year. I remember a specific game of him just running all over the Patriots' defense. It was very concerning. But uh, for for Brown's purposes... And the Patriots' defense was good. <laughs> and yeah. he was just running rampant. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. this man is very good. Uh, the question marks for me are, can this offensive line uh, live up to, I guess, on-paper expectations for, for them? Can Watson become a top-10 quarterback once again? The AFC North is obviously a very tough division. We went through their schedule earlier on in hour number one, and it is a brutal schedule here. Um, I, I do think, though, that this team, if if the number is eight and a half, I do think they can get to nine wins. So I would say over, but I'm not, you know, rushing to the window. Yeah, I'm not. To me, they're the most confusing team in the league uh, as to what to do, get to an over or under total. Uh, we mentioned the schedule earlier. They could be done after four weeks. I mean, they play their three division opponents in the first four weeks. If that didn't go well, uh, they could literally be done. They have some ridiculously difficult pocket stretches of schedule here and uh, throw it together. I guess if I had to do something, I'd be under. I really want to like this team, though. But I want to see this offensive line live up to the expectations or the uh, the reputation that it has. They were really good a couple of years ago when Mayfield had that really good season. Same guys, basically. The same five starters they had last year. Uh, at least that's projection, if, assuming hopefully I can stay healthy like Conklin at right tackle. But I like the Browns. There's too many holes, but I am very close. I'm, I'm going to be really paying attention to these guys early in the season. If they can that first stretch of games against all the division opponents and you know and you know go two and you know two and two in the first four games sees the other game then I think they might be on to something and we'll have, we'll have an opportunity to see Watson at that point too and we'll kind of know whether he's you know 2020 Watson or you know the like last year or something between <laughs> That's right. Week nine, uh, the Browns are in town. The masses are on the underside of things. Eight and a half wins at 69.2% of the vote, over sitting at 30.8%. This is on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. You know what I hope? We've been spending all week long talking about the AFC North. I find it to be a very intriguing division this year. I hope this isn't this year's AFC West, where we were all, like, real excited. I, I wasn't. I was not included in that group last year. That's true. You were I'm, not. I'm I'm with you this year. I think this is the best division of football, actually. Although I will say this. I did have the Broncos win total under last year, so that was a very good call. Just they... bet against them every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we wrap up this Thursday, August 17th edition next here on KDOS AM 1060. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. segment of this Thursday, August 17th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggest you download the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the listener rewards qualifications to get yourself entered for a chance at a $100 gift certificate. 
courtesy of Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, email, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slips through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Brown review, uh, Patrick of uh, Brownzone.com. Uh, tomorrow preview we have three teams tomorrow the texas 9 15 Bengals at 10 15 tides 11 15 uh next week uh we got two more weeks before the season starts the next week we'll get into the afc East, and then the last week uh before the, start the season and we'll do the the afc west sound today courtesy of cbs espm uh, league baseball also box uh 680 a.m and then also l E570. Special thanks as those to Corey and Aaron, and Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next here on KDOS AM 1060 from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports U with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 tonight. A couple of things that have caught my attention here. Uh, U.S. Women's Soccer Coach Vlatko and Dunvosky has uh, resigned from his position. Of course, there was the disappointing bronze at the Olympics and then knocked out in the round of 16 at this year's World Cup. The Diamondbacks are at the Padres. Zach Gallen versus Rich Hill, 6.40 p.m. dbacks.com slash watch. Uh, reports, I think it's been a couple of weeks now, indicated that ESPN offered the Pac-12 $30 million a school a year uh, ago, and the Pac-12 counter-offered with $50 million, that that's what they wanted. Richard Deitch of The Athletic had on ESPN's Burke Magnus and asked him specifically about like whether or not this was true. Uh, Burke's Response was, quote, directionally, yeah, that's fair to say. I think the order was reversed. Our final offer, which was rejected, was never really countered back. We went in another direction, as has been documented. Regardless, we thought we made a fair, disciplined, and marketplace-informed offer, and we couldn't get there with them at that time. Obviously, we know now what has happened uh, with the Pac-12. This is going to be the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Okay, I'll just add one thing. I think that ASU and the U of A are better off in the Big 12, especially the U of A because of the basketball thing. Uh, yes, and that certainly was uh, something that Brett Yormark of the Big Big 12 wanted, and he thinks that basketball is an untapped potential, and that's why he was embarking on conversations with Gonzaga and UConn. He joined Andrew Marshawn and John Auerand on their podcast, specifically talking about uh, that, and that co- uh, according to Brett Yormark, the conversations with Gonzaga and UConn have stopped uh, since they got their dream deal a dream scenario with uh the four corner schools joining the big 12. okay that sounds right makes sense although i think gonzaga really wants out of the west coast conference and certainly with byu gone they would prefer somewhere else for them themselves to play and participate but also not having football i think is a bit of a challenge for them to find a new conference that's true they've been trying to get out of that conference forever so good luck That'll do it for this Thursday edition. As Bob pointed out, jam-packed Friday spread for you tomorrow right here on KDOS AM 1060. Looking forward to talking to you then.